This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody, to the Landry Football Podcast. I am Chris Landry. Appreciate you joining us today. Um, We are always glad to be with you, part of the Landry Football Podcast, part of Radio Influence. Uh, We're excited. Uh, We are about a week away from – well, we are a week away. What is today? Today is Thursday. Lose track of days. It is Thursday, and we're a week away from – the NFL draft. Uh, a reminder for all of you, if you haven't heard, we're going to be doing a NFL draft show on our Chris Landry football Twitch channel. You can catch it on YouTube and Facebook as well. Uh, we're going to be there for every pick. We're going to be there a half an hour before the first pick on Thursday, half an hour before the first pick on Friday, half an hour before the first pick on Saturday. We're going to take you through the entire draft. We're going to take you behind the scenes and kind of pull back the curtain as to kind of what I do as a consultant for teams, although the actually you really won't. The, the work is done, um, so you're not going to see the work, but you'll see some reactions. I'll, I'll be dealing with uh, tweets and not tweets, uh, what do you call those, direct messages, uh, texts, um, emails. So I'm going to be, be dealing with that, and uh, obviously that's the form of communication. Uh, maybe some phone calls may have to step away, but I'll be doing a solo show, breaking it down for you, breaking down all the picks and kind of giving you a feel for what's coming, what's going on behind the scenes. So we've excited about that. And it was um, the brainchild of one of our um, followers, listeners in the chat room that wanted to do it. And I hesitated at first thinking, I can't do that. I've got all this to do. And I'm like, well, why not? I'll just do what I do. And I'll turn on a microphone and you can kind of be there a part of it. It may not be quite as interactive and it may not, it's certainly not going to be like this show. And we have a topic, we go through issues and address it, but it's going to be a long, long three days of shows that I think you're going to be interested in. Again, an unvarnished look, an unvarnished show that I think is going to be unique and a very good alternative to what you normally get in terms of the package. So fantasy football one-on-one has joined us in the chat room and he is the guy you need to thank if you're excited about this show, because he came up with the real idea. So uh, we are here to take your questions, but I want to get into obviously the final stages of putting together an NFL draft, uh, an NFL draft board. We've talked about uh, before, um, how you put the board together, how you grade players. We've had lengthy discussions on that. Well, what's going on right now is it's a week prior to the draft. Uh, the one thing that I need to bring up again that's a little different this year than any other year is the fact that this is the first draft process. Last year's draft was done in a COVID environment, but the draft process which started after last year's combine has affected a lot of what we're doing. So right now, things have come up that are maybe newsy, but some of it's not real newsy, like the Justin Phillips epilepsy stuff. Well, that that wasn't uncovered yesterday. It just was put out there in the media. But there's some other players who different teams have different – thoughts in different medical grades 
on players. But gathering that and being comfortable to the same level as you normally are on your medical grades is not the same. Now, you could say the same that I think getting some of the background information has been more of a challenge this year than in the past because, um, you know, I think that not being able to go on campus um, in the fall, and that, that was a big issue, not being able to look face-to-face into the equipment manager, the trainer, you know, the strength coach, where, you know, particularly when you know somebody and you are very close to them and they'll shoot you straight, getting that information over the phone is, eh, it's not the same. It's a little antiseptic. Um, and so I think that's a little more of a concern. So it's, look, it's, it's a little bit riskier. It's an even playing field because everybody's having to deal with it. Nobody has an advantage over the other, but it's a disadvantage to the process, relatively speaking. You know, people have asked me, are there going to be more mistakes this year than normal? Well, I don't know that, but there's certainly every reason to think that there will be. And I think that there's there, but with the grace of God, uh, I think will be mistakes, more mistakes. It's just normal. Just like I think there'll be more mistakes in this year's recruiting class in college, because you've got to know them less. You know, if you have not been able to get to know the families, you've not been able to get them on campus. You've not been able to get them into your camps. You know less about them. It's a, it's a bigger risk. So there's, there's no question um, that it, it is riskier, but at this stage. So right now it's a lot of, finalizing your medical grades and then and your, your team trainer and doctor have to do that. But in, in the end, I always, so this is how I did it. I always finalize putting the medical grade on the player, but based strictly on what the, the trainer say. And here's the way it goes. She's got this, he's got that. All right. So if he's got a bunch of things, I really drill down into questions about how difficult of a problem that is. And I, I always come back to, okay, so when that's cleared up, okay, okay, look, he's got this, he's got the rehab, and when he's done, he'll be fine. Okay, when he's done, what's the what's the prognosis then? Well, it's good, it's done. Fine. I'll take the shield off. I'll I'll raise his grade up medically. Now, I may keep a little shield or a little grade because if a guy has an issue that could affect the first year, maybe into the second, it may be a tiebreaker to somebody that's a little cleaner medically, but a tiebreaker, not not how I'm going to make a decision. I'm more concerned about these this day and age is longevity. I'm worried about guys that are going to be more arthritic issues and then the player, the position, you may only have them for one contract anyway. So I think that the medical part, I think you can have an advantage. I think you can be aggressive, and I think you can take chances um, more so than in the previous CBA where you were committing more money. And now you've got four, five years for a first-round guy to assess all aspects of the player and to make a decision whether you want to keep them. Now, obviously, if you invest into a high pick on a player and he's a one-contract player, you're probably going to look and say, that's a disappointment. That's not getting our value for where we picked. You'd want somebody that's going to be a good player and a good player for a long time. So medical-grade in the meetings are going on now, but you're finalizing putting up your horizontal boards or yeah, excuse me, your vertical boards. And, and you're, you've already begun to work on concurrently your horizontal board, but you need to fine tune your horizontal board starting now, starting tomorrow. I mean, starting now, tomorrow through the weekend, 
it's what I'd like to do and, and get that part done to allow time next week to fine tune, to have any discussions. If, if somebody was, and let me just say this, sometimes personalities get in the way. Sometimes a coach or a scout will say certain things about a player may want to refine in their scouting report, update, if you will. Um, you address that, you deal with that. It doesn't really necessarily change your grade, but it could certainly modify your stacking with players with similar grades. I think those things are all things you do. And then, as I mentioned, I make sure I, I am at the stage of trying to finalize my undrafted free agent board, meaning the draft board, I'm comfortable with it. If and when it's picked clean, I need to assign another linebacker or safety, and I am out of players on my draftable board. Got to make sure that I get the late-round undrafted free agent guys in the right order. So I spent a lot of time on that, and I spent a lot of time in that last week trying to figure out, and this is what teams are doing, figuring out where things may fall, what options we may have at this spot or that spot. That's really what's going on right now. But the the other thing that I like to do is, is to get things out of the way is that, okay, you have, you're going to have something that's a little bit of what I call unresolved issues. You go through all your position meetings, you wrap them up and your position draft meetings is what I'm talking about. And then you're, you double back and you look, you know what? And, and, and if I felt this, I, I'm, are we sure that those fourth round safeties are stacked right in the five, five grades? Get six guys. Are we sure they're okay. They, they they're all we're all confident that they're five fives. We're all confident in the right order. Then we start to look at things. You know what? And I like this. This guy is gonna go higher. This guy's gonna be a real good fit for so and so. He's going to go higher than we got him graded. That's fine. I, you know, I don't want to raise him to go off to, to marry my grade to where he's going to get drafted. That's not scouting. Okay. That's just forecasting. That's like somebody that says, I'm going to take the flyers in the hockey game tonight. And, you know, Hey, they won. How about that? What the heck? I mean, you're just guessing. And in, in certainly forecasting where a player is going to go is a big part of draft management. It should not be a part of moving him up or down on your board. Understand where the player's value is. Once he gets in the league, that's what you're grading him on. But then I do think you know where you need to draft a guy to get him. If you got a guy, um, you know, I, I mentioned before I drafted Blaine Bishop in the eighth round. There were eight rounds then um, that particular year. It was one of the last years before we moved to seven. I had a, a higher grade than that on him. I had like a – um, a fourth round, fifth round grade on him. But I knew because of what he played and how he played that he wasn't going to be a fit. So that's important. You got to hold your water a little bit and say, you know what? I got a chance to get him later, but I'm not going to have a chance to get this guy later. So I go for the two for one thing. I'm going to take this guy now 
and I'll come back and get Blaine Bishop. Now, you can get bit by that, too. I've also told you the story of, of Curtis Martin. I wanted to draft him, but I thought I could go another round because of his, believe it or not, medical history at Pitt. And because um, we had good backs, we did a good job there, but I, I still wanted him, and and he wasn't available to me the next round. So it's it's a... It's calculated. You look at it. Knowing where a guy is going to go, I think, is relevant. Relevant to manage managing your strategy of who you want to take and, and win. But it should not, hey, look, I like this guy. I think he's got a chance to make. Well, I'm not taking that guy in a high second round and passing over guys that I know are going to make a team has a much better chance of making our team. That doesn't make sense. And people make mistakes on that. I often say, and I, I thought Marv Levy for years as a head coach did a great job in, in helping in their personnel side. But when he got the GM job, I still can remember the John McCoggle pick. And I'm thinking to myself, what are they doing? And it was late first round. They needed a defensive tackle, and they took a guy that was nothing more than a third-round guy. Now, he's a guy that was, you know, a chance to make and contribute. Okay, so he made the team, and he contributed a little bit. He didn't upgrade him, and yet they left players on the board, many of them that could have upgraded him, and that's a case of Marv, good head coach, but didn't have the John Butler and the Bill Polians in the room to kind of make sure that they didn't waste that pick. And then that happens a lot. And that's, okay, this guy is going to go hard. I'm hearing this guy is going to go hard. He must be a better player than we got him. Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you got him right and they got him wrong, you know. You're going to get this a lot. You're going to get this. Oh, I can't believe my fill-in-the-blank team here drafted this guy. I didn't see anybody having him drafted anywhere neither. Who flipping cares? Again, do you think that the guys writing and talking about it know who can play and who can't? They're gathering information. They're not evaluating. They're not trained to evaluate. They may look at film. They may not. I don't know. But they're not looking at it with a trained eye. They're not looking at all the tape. I can tell you that. And so they're listening to people, and that's why this guy's moving up. No, they're not moving up or down the board. You just That's who you just talked to most recently. And we've now established that most of the – people are talking about they're talking about these players to media folks they're doing it with a purpose to throw it out there man you know i think i guarantee you the person that leaked the justin fields the justin fields stuff the epilepsy issue is yeah i've known it for so long that i've forgotten about it i don't know if it's going to be a big issue or not not a doctor they say he's going to grow out of it and he's had no issues that's affected practices or workouts, or games, or anything. Medical people will decide that. You have to tell me, and, and I put the medical grade on them. But the fact that it was leaked, why do you think that was leaked? I can tell you already that it was leaked by somebody that may hope that he will fall to him. Throw that out there. Maybe plant the seed. Maybe Because I'm going to tell you what happens. It happens in draft rooms. And it ha- it's it's particularly I think it happens more and more because there's more people that are running drafts, more GM types, more personnel director types that are not from a football background. So they listen, they scout with their ears because they can't scout with their eyes. So they hear this and they hear that and they just, uh, all of a sudden this guy's dropped. Something must be wrong with them. Uh, There's no strength of conviction. If you are, if you know how to evaluate, if you're trained to do it, if you've done it for a while successfully, and you've got enough experience doing it, 
the player will grade themselves if you know how to look at it. It's you know what to look for. It's 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 what a lawyer does, uh, an accountant does, what a doctor does, right? They know what to look for. They know what to ask. They know what to look for in an x-ray, in a legal brief. They can cut through that. That's what, in a less important job, we do in football. If you're a football guy, you know what to look for. And a player will grade himself if you're objective, if you do the work, and you know what to look for. But we're we're not, in today's world, there's not as many of those that have the strong football conviction. And it's a little bit more political, you know, kind of create a consensus. It's It's talk here, talk there. And it creates a lot of issues. So that's why when people say, well, is there going to be chaos in the draft room? Never was in mine. Do I sense it in some organizations? Yeah, I sense a little panic. I sense people. I get the calls, and I'll get them Thursday and Friday and Saturday. If you join me, I'll be getting them, and I may not be able to say it, but I'll I'll probably have a little smirk saying, boy, buyer's remorse. They take it, and, and they're hoping – you, what do you think? You think that's good? You think, you know, you think we should have done, you know, you have a lot of that. You have a lot of buyer's remorse. You have a lot of, boy, I hope we did the right thing. I hope we don't get killed with that. I hope this, yada, 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 yada. You know, I think a lot of those things happen more so. From the standpoint, and we're seeing this, we're seeing that some of the Raiders decisions, the Philadelphia decisions, we're dealing with a lot of information gatherers and not evaluators. So when I evaluate a player, I may like the guy. I may say this guy's one hell of a football player. Not for us because he really doesn't do and won't help us. And I'm not talking about because we don't have a need, but really doesn't help us in the type of defense that we run or the offense we run. It doesn't mean that it makes him less of a player. Dude is is every bit as good. Not a guy that I'm going to take, but a guy that's really good, and I completely understand while somebody else will take him. What the public doesn't understand, what the media doesn't understand, is, well, you left that guy on the board. No, we didn't left him on the board. We had him on the board. We moved over him. There's a reason for it. Understanding that and having patience having a philosophy and sticking to that philosophy is the key to being successful. Because again, as I've stated many times before, the teams that are not successful are the ones that are constantly changing their philosophy because fire the coach GM gets two hires that doesn't happen. Well, new head coach comes in. Well, last two, three drafts, half the guys that we drafted really doesn't fit with the new guy. Did you ever think about that before you, you know, maybe the philosophy that you had was working, but you didn't have the right guy that can carry out the philosophy, philosophy, you know, stability with lesser acumen will get you more successful than, than, boy, this guy's great and it's good. And then you move on. It's just, you know, it's like two ships in the night. And you see a lot of players go on, have success other places, because there's not a real thorough understanding of how a guy fits or doesn't fit. So it is a lot of right now trying to figure out, and this is really what the draft is. It's about setting up your draft board and in a way that is how they fit for you. Your team doesn't matter if somebody wants to take somebody fifth and you think he's the 35th best player in the, in the, but it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Certainly it's human nature to say, well, what do they see in them that we're not seeing? A lot of times I absolutely know what they see in them and I absolutely know why he's where he's at on our board and why he is on their board. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't want to be crude, but you ever, 
you ever wonder sometimes when you see a couple and you see one or the other and you say, I don't see that. Well, what did she see in him or vice versa? Well, they saw something. It was, it works for them. I, you know, maybe it's a bad comparison, but it's something I think people can relate to. I always said, you know, we have the, again, the, the horizontal board, the position boards, and then we have, as the guys come off the board, we take them off and we put them under the, the team that drafts them. You got, and you, so you end up, you two things, you put them on the depth chart, you put them on, on the, uh, under the team. So you, you get to look and you, when you get a little time, you begin to glance over and you say, well, I like what they've done in the draft. Yeah, that's pretty good. What the bleep are those guys thinking? I mean, you got three guys that they drafted and it's like, I wouldn't take any of those guys for anything. And they're probably saying the same thing about your draft. It, it is beauty in the eye of the beholder. And very often the grades that are given years down the road are much different than the snap judgment grades that are given right after the draft. So as you go through that process, you want to leave extra time to go through, make sure go through scenarios. And then the last stage is to work through uh, your trade chart. Remember trade charts, the ones that are on the internet, use them as you wish. They're not, they're not applicable unless you marry them up to your horizontal draft board. So you really see where there's value. You really see who would we move up for? You know, and you go through scenarios. Would you move up for so-and-so? What would you give up to do that? Um, it's probably going to cost this. Yeah, no, I, I don't do it. I'd rather stay and do this. Yeah, I would move up. And here's what I would give if I could get that. Okay. And you go through that scenario. And, and But what about, it's not just the first round because everybody's talking about first round. That's all people care about, right? We go through second round. Would you do that? Would you do that? What? Because now you're not talking about the people at the top of the draft. You're talking about the people that maybe are 15th on your board. And it's 35, pick 35, 36, and guy's still there. What would you do? Can you move up? Do you want to move up? What would you give up? Well, you know, you might give up. If you could get... If you don't like the depth in round four, would you give up a fourth round pick to move up five spots in the second round to get a guy that you got 15th on your board? Sure as hell would. But again, why would they make that move? Because they've got somebody that they really like. Now, it's all what? Rooted in the evaluation, correct? Proper evaluation matters. Yeah, talk about all you Oh. Can't make that's a good pick a bad pick. If the Niners take Mac Jones, good pick, bad pick. Now they didn't have to move up there to get him. How do you know? What if he becomes a really good player? A really good player for them. Anybody gonna say it's a bad pick five, eight, ten years from now? It's a if he's not. Absolutely, people will say, you moved up for that. You know, you move up, you get, you know, can't believe you take this guy. Well, if he becomes really good, it's a pretty good pick, isn't it? Good player, good pick. Remember I tell you the story that, you know, people were up in arms. I I'm, I'm telling you, up and arms, cannot believe the white Freeney would go that high. He's an undersized pass rusher. I can't believe anybody says, man, that Dwight Freeney was great. But taking him at, I think it was 11 or 15. I, I apologize. I can't remember the exact number. It was a lot higher than people thought. Oh, the horror. I can't believe they took him there. What are they doing? Really think that matters? You really think that matters? Um, it, it, it doesn't, if the guy can play, you don't know whether you can get a guy you think you do because you're basing it off of some list or some mock draft that a bunch of people are making that are just throwing 
darts, you know, just throwing stuff against the wall and see if it sticks. They don't know. Your intel may tell you different. And if you want a guy, you go up and get him. Um, when I tried to move up for Javon Curse, he fell in our lap. Well, Chris, that would have been stupid if you'd have moved up to 10 and got him. You got him at 16. Didn't know he was going to be there at 16. Felt strongly he wasn't going to be there. The important thing was I needed to evaluate him correctly. I did. I wanted him, and I got him. I just got lucky that he fell to me at 16 because you know what? I couldn't do a deal. Now, it's not for trying. Just there wasn't a deal to be made, and that's that. And I'd have had to do something else. But there's a little luck that comes involved, too. Mitchell Trubisky's been a disaster. Why? Because they moved up, they got him, and he didn't work. And everybody's expecting them to get fired. If he'd have been really good for the Bears, anybody's concerned about, well, they moved up, they got uh, Of course not. Get the player evaluated correctly. Certainly spend time in trying to assess where you need to get him, where you need to go to get him, but also be mindful that you don't make the player better or worse based upon where you need to get them. All that does is factor in maneuverability, draft management. So separate them and then bring them together. Set your draft board according to their ability. Then, from a draft management standpoint, figure out, because that's going to answer your question. So that's that's what's being done right now in the week prior to. And it's really going to be done more at the beginning of next week. Um Going through scenarios, uh, is a, as I said, it's a little bit late on medical information, so that's trickling in a little bit more, and you're going to have to make adjustments to that. Um, it, it, it absolutely could affect. I mean, if a guy comes back and there's something there that's worse than we thought, we're aware of any possible issue. We just May it may be worse than we thought, or or it may be positive news. It's not as bad as we thought, and when you do that, it certainly can affect you. Take it off; he's clean. It's fine. If you have to put that on there, you you keep them. You you move past them, and you you probably don't take that risk. You don't take that risk where he is on your board. If you take the risk, you take them later. You keep him what? You keep him where he ranks as a football player. But you throw in the medical, you throw in maybe some of the character, and I'm not talking about really bad guys or really bad medicals, but there are issues. You got him there. He's the top of the 5'9", high third-round value grade. It's sixth round. He's still up there because of the medical. At that point, the risk is mitigated, and you got a determination of, do I take this guy? who's available right now that I don't like the chances football-wise of him making our team, or do I take that guy that I know can make it? I feel like medically he's going to be a question mark, but there's a pretty good chance that I'll at least get a good contract. I know he's making our team. I know he's helping us in this role. Yeah, that's where you look at it. That's the purpose of a board. It really just brings it out to you. And you may go back and say, all right, because the trainer is in the room with you. Brad. Our trainer's name was Brad. Um, Or, you know, Bill, the other trainer in the previous stop. Tell me once again, explain once again. What that issue is, what does it mean? What do we think is the long-run prognosis? What do we think is the short-range prognosis? Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay, and again, check back. Let's look. Check back again. You read for me. Guys that have been there, read for me the training room report from the school how do they feel about type of worker is rehab how tough is he i don't know that okay check the football character again which is part of 
all those things. Okay. You feel a little good about it. If it's a guy that, well, he'll, he's got an issue. He's had a few issues and he's not a great worker in the weight room. You're asking for trouble because in order to get better, you got to work. You got to, you know, from a preventative standpoint and from a rehab standpoint. So you, you, you lay the foundation, you have it, and then you react to it a little bit on draft day. But in order to do that, you've got to set it up right now, right now in the final draft meetings, setting your board, going through scenarios. And then the last thing we do, um, I always did it early part of the week. Um, I did a security check on everybody. Then I did one last one, and that was the last thing I did the night before the draft. So if it went to Saturday at five o'clock on Friday, I would, um, I'd usually three to five to three to six on, on Friday. It pissed some people off because people like to get out early on Fridays. That's not in our world. Um, I did the updated security check because something could have happened during that week. Then the other thing I did is the security guy was responsible through his contacts, through a database to recheck everything and report to me on well Saturday morning. In this case, the timelines on Thursdays when it was on Thursdays um, have a, a final update or anything that has changed on anybody security wise in the last 24 hours. I need to know about it. Um, and then that's just in terms of if somebody does something stupid that could affect it, but mostly that wouldn't happen. Mostly what you want is, is a guy, a good guy. Most of the time, it's not whether a guy's a bad guy. It's pretty obvious when somebody's a bad guy. And it's pretty good when somebody's a great guy. The the gray area is the guy that does what he's supposed to do, maybe doesn't do the extra stuff. You know what I'm talking about in any profession. You have people that are good employees, they do what they do. They ain't gonna put in the extra time. They're not their motivation is not to be the best, fill in the blank. They just want to do a good job. I, I want to get as many of those guys that are really self-motivated that want to be the best. And so I really try to drill down into the football character. Is he a good guy? Is he a con guy? Is he constantly telling you what you want? Is he a guy that you can trust in the locker room? Is he a guy that's going to set the tone or is he, is he a leader or a follower? I, I, I can deal with either one, a leader or a follower. I just need to know which one he is. Plus I need to know how to manage things in the locker room. Uh, all those things are important. And you, and you, you, you deal with that during the meetings, but as you get a little bit closer and you might want to refine that because now it really comes down to, you know what, here's what I'm thinking. And then when you get on, you're picking 15th, let's say, and you get down to 12, you, you really know who's there. Okay. I'm thinking this. Yep. Yeah. That's what it looks like. And this happens. This is what I'm thinking. Now you, you know, you're two, three picks ahead and that's, that's maybe 45 minutes before you pick 30 minutes in the first round anyway. But how many guys are you comfortable taking there? Is your board set up to where, yeah, look, this is who I want. And, and if he's gone and he's gone, I'm good with the third guy in stacked. I'm good. Greats. The grades are where we need them, where we want them, we'll take them. I prefer a, I'm getting tangled up in my wires here.
There we go. We should be back there. Uh, it's a problem that you deal with. What if this happens? What if that happens? Um, and those things are, you know, you've got to go ahead and say, um, this is where we're going to go if this happens. Oh, we're good with that. Oh, we're comfortable with that. Um, you know, those are the things that you have to go through. It's scenarios. But the scenarios are the byproduct of the work that you've done. So the majority of the work is done. People know who they're going to take based upon who's going to be there. Um, obviously, Jacksonville knows who they're going to take. Jets knows who they're going to take. I think San Francisco knows. I mean, I think in the earlier the pick, you know. But if you're dealing, you know, does Jacksonville know who they're going to take in the second round? No. They know who they'd like to take. And so they're strategizing. Believe it or not, people will say, um, well, they already know. It's pretty easy. No, they, they, they got a whole draft. You focusing on the first round, they're focusing on all the rounds. So that's that's what's done down the stretch. Let's get to some questions here. Um, good morning. Uh, Jeff asks, uh, let's see here, a couple of questions about the merchandise. Yeah, I had a guy that did T-shirts and stuff. I talked to him about putting some stuff where we can get it to you guys and sell it but he said it wasn't worth it he would need to have like a large quantity to do hats and stuff meaning you know it's great if 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 you you want one you want three but i think it needs to be like i don't know like three or four dozen of something so i i, I don't know it's, he seemed uninterested in doing that it didn't seem like it was I, obviously i'm not making the shirts and don't know how to do that it was nice enough to do that for me um Jeff asks, good morning. So the Saints draft 28th, and at what pick do you go best available or need? You, you always go best available, Jeff. Again, it's it's not real difficult. It's, it's not as complex as people think. You always take the best player. But if the grades are equal, and again, I believe the Saints, my board are going to be taking a player with a 6'5 grade. There are 20 guys with 6'5 grades. They're not getting a player with a 6'9 grade or a 7'0 grade. They're not. So of the 20 players with a 6'5 grade, take one of those. They can go in a number of different directions. Now, again, assuming that they've got them graded similarly, a lot of the same players are going to be – a lot of the players are going to be the same players. There may be a few that are not. So you don't – you don't sit there and say, I'm going to take this position of need. You take the best player. But if the the grades are equal and you're in the same grade plateau, then you either take the best position of need or you maximize value in the draft by saying there's better depth at one position than the other. So the position that has left – Less depth down the the road in the draft, I may take earlier. So that could have an effect. So it's really simple. It's it's not that difficult. The whole best player. You know, you don't sit there and say, well, you know, we got we got to. If you look at my board, five through twenty four, they're all six five grades. They're all fair game. You can now. Ideally, I mean, I got them stacked because you you put them in an order. But it does not mean if you take player twenty four over player five, that's it's a bad pick. Uh, player player five is going to go second. He's going to be off the board. You know, a number of them will be off the board. Who's still available? Um, if the board's picked clean, do you just take a need? No, again, your grade has to be there. Yeah, the, the Saints certainly um, – they, their biggest need is corner. They need a receiver, but they need an edge rusher, need another linebacker. You know, there, there's no question about it. Quarterback is not as big of a priority. 
in their eyes. I think the future quarterback. I mean, yeah. Do, do you need a? Do you probably need a quarterback better than Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill going forward? Yeah. So what are you going to do? Take a quarterback just because you need one? Well, I, I, I don't see Kyle Trask as the answer long range for the Saints, and I don't think there's going to be another option there. You know, there'll be some good players, but you're going to take a guy like that and leave a better player on the board? I, I don't think so. Um, you know, so no, you don't draft for need. You draft for the best player, and you hope you can marry the need. But stay within that same grade plateau. That's the way I've always done it. That's what I believe, and it's what works best. Well, just scouting evaluation of Troy Brown out of Marshall. Troy was very versatile athlete, do a lot of different things. Work done out of Florida State, recruited work. Work was a great is a ideal player even for today's game. Great out of the backfield but really tough and ran more physical than their size would indicate. Aeneas Williams out of Southern was a great player. He was really a great player. He was a late bloomer, could really cover. He was physical and in great instincts. Uh, Chase Claypool looks like a future stud once he comes down and matures. Do you agree? So how do you think? Yeah, Chase Claypool is outstanding. I think he's already a stud. Well, he's already a big factor. Can he improve? Absolutely. Guys that are great can still improve. There's no question that uh, that's an example of a big guy that could run, that could have upside, but um, but still very good right now. So um, Tony says, I've seen a few times through the years that teams run out of time while on the clock, wondering how that can happen. Uh, it happens because you're dealing with a trade. Um, and, and most of the time, they're not running out of time. Most of the time, what is happening, uh, uh, most of the time. Uh, but you said a few times, but I want to address something because just for the for what you're not talking about, very often the clock gets down to the end and the other times are not. Well, the time hasn't run out. They've informed the league. They've maybe made a trade and they're just getting the information. It just hadn't been announced yet, but it's been done and the pick's been in, but there's some delay in something procedurally behind the scenes. Not there's a problem or anything, just something procedurally done. Um, the not getting it in time has happened a few times. Um, Raiders got in an argument one time um, in their, in their, uh, in their draft room over who they were going to take. That's just unacceptable to, to, to be that disorganized. The Vikings did it. The Vikings did it twice back to back. That's disorganization. And, and, you know, Mike Tice being involved in there um, with a knucklehead meathead he was, but they, a lot of what's happened in, in you have to take each case specifically, but, how does that happen is you're dealing with somebody on a trade. You're trying to make a trade. And then you think you got a deal done. And as I said, sometimes you get it done. Sometimes you don't. Then they back out and then you run out of time. And then, you know, the the guy at the that you're communicating with, he, he can't. He's not making any decision. He's just handing a card in. Um. You know, what happened is, you know, you think you got a deal, it falls apart in the end, and then you don't have time to run the, the, the card in. No, you, you here's my rule. There's like a three-minute rule. I mean, you, you get two, three minutes before you pick. You cut the – that's it. You can't get a deal done then. We're going in, and, you know, we're out. So it shouldn't happen. And I can't give you an answer, Tony, as to, well, there's a good reason why it would have happened. When it's when it's not really happening and the pick truly is in, it's just that you see the clock run out, but it's really been handed in. Well, that's okay. When you have the situation like the two or three where you're arguing, that's that's you've got total lack of control in your draft room. Um, just like total lack of control on the sidelines as a coach. 
same thing. You just you can't have that. And, and if you have an issue, yes, you can mess up. Um, something happened in the trade. It may not be your fault. You think you got a deal done? They got. That's why you got to take charge and say, "Fine. If we can't get it done within two three minutes left on the clock, it's over." And sometimes it'll piss people off. But yeah, no, it, it, you you got you got to make sure it's there's no excuse. There's no good reason for that to say, yeah, the clock ran out on them. They missed their pick, but it's OK. Nah, I mean, it, it's it's really inexcusable if you do it right. Um, LSU talk says um, when the NFL celebrated its 75th anniversary back in 94, I believe not only did half the selections from the anniversary team come for one double a but from the SWAC conference well a lot of um if you look at use grambling as an example because they were kind of the poster child if you look at from 1960 to 1979 there were like 14 first round draft picks and like you know an inordinate number of overall draft picks by grambling now you had most of the years you had 12 rounds, but a tremendous amount. Integration, and we think of integration as a long time ago. It, 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 it was, but to me, it doesn't appear that long ago. When you're dealing with the integration process, a lot of those guys, I mean, you would think that Walter Payton would have probably ended up at one of the Mississippi schools. Well, he, he did. He went to Jackson State. I mean, Mississippi, Mississippi State. Or, or you know, going out of state. I, I don't know. The option really wasn't there. I, I worked with a guy at LSU who played tight end in the 70s. And um, we were talking about it. He never went to an LSU game as a kid. He went to Southern games. You didn't go to LSU games. You, the, the thought of playing at LSU, like his daddy, you just didn't really think that was going to be the opportunity there. Um, you know, you, you think about it as the ancient days. You know, seventy is not that, not that long ago to me. I mean, it is, but it doesn't feel that long ago. So what we're dealing with, um, integration changed things. Um, Bubba Smith the great Michigan State player, the great Colt, wanted to go um, to Texas. Darryl Royal wanted to wanted him to come. He ran it by the president. They weren't ready to do it, and they didn't integrate. So he ended up going to Michigan State. The University of Minnesota, the University of Minnesota, do you know that they've got seven national championships? You don't think of University of Minnesota as that type of program, do you? Well, they're not now. Okay. Good program. and Got a highly energetic coach. But under Bernie Beerman and Murray Warmath, they built powers. They went out and got guys from the South that could not go to the SEC schools, the Southwest Conference schools. And they went up to the Big Ten because the Big Ten had integrated so Michigan State, Minnesota built their programs that way. They were powers because you, you, you didn't have that opportunity. It wasn't. And here's the thing. Even when they began to integrate in the South, it, it wasn't like, do I want to send my, my kid there, meaning a, a black family? Do, do I want to send my kid there? I mean, What's it going to be? Okay, yeah, they're allowing them to go, but is it going to be welcome? Is it going to be comfortable? Is it going to like it, or is it going to be more comfortable going somewhere else? So the integration factor led to the, well, I'm not quite sure I'm comfortable going there. It took years. It took years. It took years. Um, and it's one of those things that I think um, that took a while. So, yeah, no, that's absolutely uh, contributed to that. Um Nola Jack says, you said yesterday the Bengals had plenty of holes. If Sewell was available, number five, you got an offer from, say, the Broncos to drop to nine. Would you take that trade with Denver? No. I'm not passing Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase to move down and get a good player. 
I'm not. I'm not moving down from taking one of the top two or three players on the draft board to go and get one of the next 20, you know, group of where there's 20. I, no, I'm not doing that. You don't get better. We got a lot of holes. Get a lot of picks. You get a lot of picks if the players are equal. If you can get more of the same, that's fine. But if you got a chance to get an elite player, no. You don't You don't pass over a different grade-level player to take a player of a lesser grade level. You don't ever do that. That's never smart. Now, people might say, well, look, they see them. That's what they did. No, no, they just may see the player differently. They see – I see maybe four players that are with an elite grade, and others may see a little bit more. So, no, you – you don't, in my opinion, do that if you're the Bengals. I think you take that, you take Panay Sewell, you take Jamar Chase, you take Kyle Pitts. Um, because if you go to nine, you're not getting one of those guys, or you're not likely to get one of them. You'll get a good player there, but you get better by getting difference-making players, and then getting as many good players as you can. So I wouldn't do it. Hey, appreciate everybody joining us on the Radio Influence family. If you're listening to this podcast, I can encourage you to join us and watch the show live as we do it on twitch.tv slash Football. A reminder that you can listen to an NFL draft show and – half an hour before the first pick on Thursday, half an hour before the first pick on Friday, and uh, about a half an hour before the pick on Saturday. We're going to take you through the entire draft, take you behind the scenes, what's going on, um, the unvarnished look at what teams are thinking, what teams are doing, how they're planning, strategizing. We're going to have it all for you. So a different look from the draft standpoint of where things uh, are headed, not just the old typical stale stuff. I like this guy, I like that guy, but giving you an understanding of what the players are, how they fit, maybe how they don't fit, and uh, but, a, but a view of what is working behind the scenes. So please spread the word that uh, we are going to be doing that live show. And we think, um, you know, I think it's really important to understand a little bit of what's going on. Um, behind the scenes to, that maybe others can't give you. So we're going to give you that kind of that unvarnished view. So appreciate you joining us. Spread the word about what we're doing at LandryFootball.com. Get the uh, draft boards. Get the inside the draft room uh, analysis for each and every team. Get the um, scouting reports on every player. We got it all for you at LandryFootball.com. So check us out there and i uh, appreciate you joining us and uh, join us again next time next week for another edition of the landry football podcast it'll be draft day next week when we join you on this landry football podcast we appreciate you uh i uh, appreciate your loyalty appreciate your involvement in the show uh and be sure to join us on our draft special that we're doing each and every day this week as well so long everybody have a great one with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.